Welcome back, everybody. This is the Cash Course Podcast, Episode 3. I'm Brett Longabuco. I'm here with my host, Dr. Derek Brockmer. And on tap today, we got a little... We got a little mini series coming, 24 money tips for 2024. Uh, We're going to break it up into a two episode series. We're going to hit you with 12 of those money tips today. Um, And it's our goal that, you know, as we sink our feet into the start of the new year, that you can take some type of actionable steps away from these tips, you know, and if you, you know, between two episodes, if you can get three, four five tips and uh, kind of implement them, how they fit into your life, um, you know, I think that could really get the ball rolling for a productive 2024. And that is the goal of the Cash Course podcast is to just grow and learn and hear from each other and each other's perspectives and better navigate our own financial situations because of those perspectives. So with that being said, D-Brock, you want to hit us with tip number one? Yeah. Uh, Tip one is just something very simple. You know, we want to talk about reevaluating the way we track our finances. And that could be with tracking our net worth, creating a budget, um, or just being more aware of where your daily expenditures are going and if they are benefiting you or hurting you in the long run. Um, one thing I like to talk about with budgeting is a principle, idea, um, whatever you want to call it, of paying yourself first. So when you get your paycheck, I think a lot of times we have the tendency to say, okay, I got to pay this bill, got to pay that bill. I know I'm going out with my buddies this weekend. I'm going to play golf or I'm going to the gym and I got to buy a day pass. All that stuff comes first and then we pay ourselves with whatever's left over. The problem with that is it becomes inconsistent. Whereas if you have a number in your head that you know you can put away each or every two weeks, you need to do that first. Pay yourself first before you help other people get rich or pay other people to fund their dreams or their lifestyles, whether it be through your rent payment or um, you know, food expenditure or what have you. <laughs> um, so paying yourself first can make it consistent and it will be easier to build over time. Um, I think the net worth tracking thing, I think Brett has a lot more experience with that. Um, and he also has an interesting, interesting view on budgeting. So let's hear it, Brett. Yeah. So I typically don't budget Derek. You know, I think I'm not really a spreadsheet guy. I am a numbers guy. So I really like, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd for the numbers. I'll say that, but I'm not a, okay, I just spent 10 bucks today. I spent 14 bucks yesterday. You know, I, I don't like breaking my life up into segments because that creates more work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you have heard in the past, you know, I like to make investing in money moves as mindless as possible. Um, and I think tracking the net worth has proven in my life, at least, to be really effective with that. Um, and what, what I do personally is every month or two or every quarter, you know, you could you could pick whatever timeline or duration really fits you. Um, but I track my net worth and that goes for all my investing buckets, all my liquid cash, uh, all my equity in my properties and all my debts, you know, and as long as I see obviously the equities in the properties or the equity in the properties is a little bit out of my control with appreciation and um, loan pay down is a little bit more consistent. But I'm not so much focused on the equity. I'm more so focused on the um, investment buckets. So my brokerage, my 401k, um, my Roth IRA. And my liquid cash. If I see those buckets going in the right direction from month to month, quarter to quarter, I typically don't even think twice about a budget. You know, I just say, okay, whatever I'm doing is working. Let's keep it rolling. You know, and um, I think the numbers don't lie. You know, so if I see three months in a row, I'm going green, 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 and then all of a sudden in the red month, I can then 
look back and say, okay, what did I do differently this month? Maybe it was the holidays and you're picking up on a little bit more gift spending or whatever the case may be. Maybe you just took an expensive vacation. So those months may or may not happen. But um, I think for me personally, that eliminated the need to break my life up into so many different sections like groceries, uh, leisure, bills, utilities, and track all those. That to me personally is too tedious. If that works for you, great. Roll with it and be consistent with it. I think that's uh, a crucial point is the consistency here. I'm really consistent with the net worth so I can see where I'm at from month to month. Yeah, go ahead, Derek. I'm more of a calendar guy and I'm a numbers guy. So I know I like to write on the calendar what dates, what bills are due, but also keep track of what days money is being deposited into my account from my jobs. That way I know, okay, this money's coming out then, this money, this money's coming out at this point. I have a rough idea of how much money I'm going to have left over. And then I know that I can pay myself first, then pay those bills. And I have a rough idea of how much money I have left over to live off of, say, the next two weeks. So, And then all that money goes into, okay, am I going to play golf? Am I going to do this? But that changes if things come up. So like during the holidays, that changes a little bit. So I'm more of a calendar guy. I like everything laid out in front of me so that I almost have like a financial plan each month. And I feel like if I execute that plan, it puts me in a better position and trying to stack those positive months has really helped me a lot. Yeah. I mean, different strokes for different folks. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. whatever you're doing, stick to it and do it month to month, quarter to quarter. Um, and you'll be able to see the trend line that you're, that you're moving in. But I think that segue is pretty good into tip number two, Derek, and that is go through your bills and try to work them, you know, see if you can call some of these bills specifically and, and get discounts. I know sometimes just straight up asking for a discount. Hey, can I get 10% off? I work in education. Oh yeah. Okay. We'll do that for you. Um, sometimes those efforts work, you know, and you never know if you don't ask, I think you might hear that once or twice this episode. Um, but as well as that, I think you should really try to shop the market for whatever those bills and services are. If that's possible, I'm speaking specifically in this circumstance for like insurance. Uh, you know, if you bundle, home, car, uh, maybe another home on top of that. Um, I think you may be surprised at how much you can save. It might be 25 bucks a month, might be 75 bucks a month. Um, but again, those months add up, you know, and it might not make a huge difference over one year. But if you're putting that money into the market, five years, you save all that money, that starts snowballing and that makes a big difference there. So again, you never know if you don't ask, see if you could shop the, especially in the insurance market, there's a lot of uh, variables when you're shopping these insurances, it's always going to differ from um, place to place in terms of location. It's going to differ, you know, for auto insurance, for example, Derek's driving record and driving in Connecticut is going to be different than my driving record and driving in, in or around Manhattan. You know, that's a totally different uh, liability from the insurance perspective. So I think the more you can shop, the more you can get some quotes, you might be able to save some money there. And, you know, you, again, 20 bucks goes a long way if it's month after month after month. I think shopping is important because I do know that, you know, if you sign a, you know, six month contract or year contract with an insurance company for your car insurance, every year you should sort of shop around and find if there's a company that's going to offer you a better rate for that year. I know I personally have a guy who I go through, Eddie, this guy, Ed Townsend. I don't know if you know him, Brett, but he's a oh, yeah. slash torrent guy. Great dude. He's an insurance agent um, through. Brooks Todd and McNeil, I believe. I think so. Yeah, I got one yeah. of my um, yeah. home insurances through him. Yeah, so um, he does a great job of every year. If I'm like, hey Ed, man, let's let's put put the information out there, see if you can shop and find us a better rate. And he actually just put us into a 
um, a home insurance policy where we bundled our auto and saved us actually 25 bucks a month on our auto policy for me, my, my wife and I, which is huge um, because we have a mortgage that's coming and any little, you know, sometimes I feel like we're pinching pennies, but sometimes that's what you have to do. Well, you know, we're nickel and diamond on these bills so that we can use our money for other things and enjoy our lives. Yeah. You want that money to be spent on you. Forget these bills, you know? Yeah. And that again, nice segue into tip number three. And I think everybody can kind of relate to this. Um, happily spend money on what you love. You know, and I think that is the foundation and the principle of this podcast, you know, is money is a tool to live the life that you want to live and experience the things you want to experience with people that you enjoy. Um, so, you know, just a little bit of relatability for, or like, I guess a glimpse into our lives, Derek and I spend way too much money on golf. Don't tell way my wife. too much, Do you know, and it's my wife, people would think we're crazy. I, if I'm not being transparent, much. Probably the past eight years since being full time professionally, I've probably spent two to three grand a, a year on golf, and that's not counting getting my golf clubs, you know, which is an expensive purchase in and of itself. And sure. I think that I haven't even thought twice about it because I love it and it checks all my boxes or it checks a lot of my boxes. You know, I'm hanging out with my friends, I'm in nature, I'm soaking up sunshine, I'm getting some light exercise, I'm competing, and you know, it's like those things make me feel whole, you know? So whatever that means to you, doesn't have to be golf, doesn't have to be any physical activity, even whatever that means to you, put that in your budget, you know, and spend and don't think, don't even like bother thinking about it because you know that it is something that grounds you as a person and that you get pure enjoyment out of in life. Cause again, that's why we want to utilize, or that's how we want to utilize money that we have in our lives rather than paying too much on these bills. We want to do things that really make our souls happy. I had nothing further on that. Did you want to move on to the next? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's get to number four. Okay. So um, number four, segue into reviewing our contributions um, for our retirement accounts. I think we touched on these in a prior episode, 401k and the uh, Roth IRAs. Uh, Just so everyone knows, I'm not sure if we mentioned this. We kind of glanced over it in the last episode. But uh, the limits are 24,000 for the 401k. In a year and 6,500 for Roth IRAs with individuals who are under 50 years old. So again, just a quick review of how what percentage you're allotting to your 401k. And you know, sometimes it's hard to find jumping points. Well, oh, I'm doing five percent. It's really hard for me to add an additional percent right now because it's taking money in my pocket. An easy jumping for that is at your yearly review or however your company or job does reviews. If you're expecting to get a two, three, four percent raise. It's very easy just to take 1% of that, toss it away because you will not, you won't even notice it because your pay will go up on a biweekly basis, but also you've already put a percentage away that they're already giving you. So it's like, instead of getting a 4% raise, you yourself are receiving a 3% raise, even though you know 1% has been added to your retirement, which can benefit you down the line. And after five or six years, you could be looking at 10% of paycheck and really not even feel it, which is huge. Yeah, Derek, I'm just going to add one thing on that that I really personally have found in my journey. Um, Making those payments auto deducted, I think really helped me not feel those increases, you know, because if you just go, okay, I'm going to go from 400 bucks a month to 500 bucks a month in my contributions, it it just gets taken out. It's not like you have to make that effort month after month, because if that was the case, you'd be more likely to feel that resistance. But if it just gets taken out, you honestly barely notice it. You may notice it a little bit more, but you're going to be able to adapt to it a little bit easier because you're just going to realize, okay, this is now the new norm and I'm going to work the rest of my budget and my finances around it. So um, yeah, I think that uh, that auto pay or that auto deduction rather 
really helps the case in that scenario. Right. Um, and I think the next tip, uh, since given the time of year, it's tax time, uh, people are expecting their returns. I think a good tip around this time is to direct deposit your tax return. Number one, you'll get it a little faster and then take that t tax return and invest it or pay off debt with it. So, for example, if you have a, I mean, these are just ideas. It, it applies differently to everybody's lives. But if you have a car payment that is $250 a month and your insurance is 140 or whatever, so it's rounding out to about 400 a month, and you have four or five grand left on that car and you get a big tax return, you can pay off your car and eliminate $250 a month from your monthly payments if that situation fits you. Um, but also if you invest it, that money you get in tax return can grow over time or it be added to your personal investment portfolio, which is better than I think a lot of times people get the tax returns and they get excited to just spend it because it feels like free money. And I get that. I've done that in the past. Um, but I think it's really important to be a little bit smarter about this because it could pay dividends uh, down the line. Yeah, it's definitely about being intentional, you know, and it's it seems like free money because it just comes, you know, the government comes throwing it at you. But in reality, you are almost overpaying taxes to the government, loaning right. them money at a 0% interest, and they are paying it back a year later. Right. You know, so that's far from free money. You're actually losing money if you're talking about inflation. So it's it's about being really intentional with that. And, you know, I, there's there is some value to, okay, I'm going to spend this on a vacation. Because, again, if that's what grounds you, you really like travel – then by all means, check that box. But, um, you know, if it's a frivolous spend, oh, I'm going to go to the mall, I'm just going to blow this, you know, couple racks in a few days or whatever the case may be, what's really the return on that? You know, just to have a new pair of shoes or outfit that's going to sit in your closet and really bring no further value to your life? Or do you want to put it to debt or an investment that is going to have a proven return on your money? Um, that's kind of where we're going with that tip right there. But on that note, we are on tip number six. And this one's a little bit, uh, this one's a little thick. You know, there's a lot to unpack here. I think it is just reevaluating how you have fun. You know, that fun could mean with your peers, that fun can mean with your partner. Um, but, you know, reevaluate with where you are in, um, you know, I'm talking like your location, logistics. Um, reevaluate where you are and what is around you, you know, and are there state parks that you can go hike and explore? Are there, parks in your town or nearby cities that you can maybe catch a movie night in the summertime or maybe a live performance for pretty low, low costs or, um, you know, happy hours. Can we do date nights or whatever? You're, you're out celebrating a birthday. Can we do that during a happy hour where the food and the drinks are half off rather than, you know, prime time, you're now paying double on that bill. Um, so I think that's a really good example. I think when I, realized the power of this was when I was in Washington DC and I was um you know I'm, I was dating my girlfriend just started dating so we were really f frequenting dates you know going out and and finding things to do and um the beauty of DC is they have I don't know exactly the number of it but they have all types of Smithsonian museums and every single one of them was free and I'm like wow how can you beat this like we're going to world class museums and I'm not paying a dime to enter you know, we're in these museums for three, four hours at a time. We're learning. We're like exploring. It was incredible. Um, so I think, you know, that is just one example that fit my logistics and my picture. But I think that's a really, that's a really important tip, you know, because if you can save some of that social budget 
you're checking even more boxes. You know, now you're having fun with the people you care about, but you're also saving some of that money rather than just going out, you know, on a night on the town and you're kind of recklessly spending the money that you work so hard to make. And then what do you got to show for it the next day? You know, it, it, it may or may not be worth it. So um, reevaluate that. And then kind of on a part two, you know, I know some of our viewers are potentially entering parenthood. This was a tip that I heard that I think really resonated with me. I'm, I'm not in the parenthood chapter yet, but I know when I am, this is definitely going to be something that I utilize. Let's say me and my wife have a child and Derek and his wife have a child, you know, maybe on the second Saturday of the month, I know it's going to be our obligation to essentially babysit Derek and his wife's children, you know, and they go out and they do their date thing and, you know, they come back and they don't have to pay babysitting because the next week I go out with my wife and we are having a great time, night on the town, whatever we want to do, go see a play. And that's just eliminating child costs. You know, can we almost pass off babysitting responsibilities, um, you know, on every other week fashion or type of thing, whatever works for you. Uh, but again, that just keeps more money in your pocket to do the things that you want to do with whoever you want to do it with. That's just one example. But, um, you know, I think children, obviously childcare is a very real expense. So any way that you can kind of support your circle and help out with that um, doesn't need to be necessarily monetarily help out, but if you can help out by um, committing time and watching their children while you know they kind of get an IOU, I'll watch your children in the future. I think that's a big money win right there. You know, it's funny, Brett. I'm sitting here thinking, you know, while you're talking about making some good points, and I think back and I think we just said, you know, whatever you enjoy, spend your money unapologetically, and then. People are probably like, well, what do you mean? Now we got to reevaluate our finance. You're out here spending eight grand a year on golf and you're telling me don't. You know? <laughs> so I'm just thinking, I think that, I think the point is with this is just, I think sometimes our fun nights can get a little bit, I don't want to say too much fun, but out of control. You know, you can go out, have a night with your friends and you can wake up in the morning with a $500 credit card bill because you went a little bit overboard, you know, after happy hour and had a little bit too much to drink and it turned into food and stuff, which again, I think it's, you know, that stuff can be fun and it's fine. I, th I don't think we're telling you to eliminate that, eliminate that completely. But again, just trying to see if there's a consistent pattern where you know you're overspending with a certain area. Like you can look into different options that are still just as fun, but maybe they don't hurt as much. Now, Derek, that's a good day. point. And it's not cookie cutter, you know, just because right. what we're saying works for us. You've got to implement that into your life and your um, realistic I guess, logistics to how you function and what you do with your time and money. Um, you know, cause for example, yeah, we use the example of golf, right? We do spend too much money on golf realistically, mm -hmm. but at the same time, Derek, I can't tell you the last time I went out to a restaurant and I bought an alcoholic beverage, you know? So that right there has saved me hundreds of dollars over the past years, right. you know, going out in any social scene, I'm not afraid to be the one dude at the table with the water. I could care mm -hmm. less, mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's just one really tiny example of, picking and choosing where you spend your money. You know, if, if we're going out and about or whatever the case may be, for example, you know, um, my girlfriend and I love to see Broadway shows, you know, and if anybody's familiar with Broadway, those tickets can be upwards of like $200 a ticket if you're seeing like a primetime show. So what do we do? We go to, there's a thing called the TKTS booth in Times Square. And it basically is like tickets that are 40 to 60% off. Um, and you don't really, it's basically fill the seats type of thing. You know, it's like last minute shows, any seat that's not filled, you can go get these tickets at a really reduced value. So we just go and we see what shows are available at that reduced value and we pick one of them, you know, and that's our way of kind of 
you know, getting the enjoyment and entertainment that we want, but at a significantly reduced cost, you know? So I think, again, fit it to what you, we're just giving you some information and some food right. for thought, you know, you yeah. kind of digest it how you will into your life. Right. Um, as we speak of digesting, I think that fits really well into tip number seven, Derek, with reevaluate your grocery budget, you know, and I think it's really easy to spend money on food, you know, especially if you're providing for children. Um, there's no doubt that inflation has hit the grocery markets and the supermarkets really hard. You know, it's really challenging to keep that grocery budget down. Uh, but I think the more you can be cognizant of it, the better your chances are, you know, and I think two things that I personally look at is I look at how much food am I wasting? I typically, I try to throw out zero food. You know, if I, that, that means I'm like taking a chance and I'm eating a piece of salmon that's been in the fridge for whatever, four or five days, I'm taking that chance, you know, because that's personally the type of person I am. Uh, that doesn't mean that you need to be that type of person, but I'd rather eat that salmon than throw that away, to be honest with you, because world hunger is a very real thing. And I just can't stomach that. And financially, I, I, I view that as just throwing money away, you know? Um, but on that same note, again, how much food are you wasting? What type of food are you eating? You know, is it, um, I, I mean, truthfully, I don't eat too much processed stuff, but you know, if you get some of those, like, let's say Tyson tender bags, you know, those are pretty expensive versus I know at least the grocery store, we, we shop at a little bodega grocery store right down the road at times in the past year, we have gotten like over three pounds of boneless, skinless chicken thighs for like $6 or less. And it's wow. quality chicken thighs. These are some of the biggest chicken thighs I've ever seen. Wow. So it's not like we're sacrificing quality of food and nutrients for money because I'm a very firm believer of you are what you eat. So if anything, to be honest with my, the way I view groceries is I have no problem spending money as long as I do not throw that away. You know, if I'm not throwing that food away, then I almost spend whatever I need to spend to fuel my consumption and fuel my activity level. Um, so, but I think that's, that's an area that gets away from us a lot, you know, especially if we're throwing food away or, you know, if those berries that go bad within two, three days with the raspberries, you know, it may be on day two, you realize, okay, these might go bad and I don't think I'm going to be able to eat them. Maybe you, you freeze them, you know, and you can throw them in a smoothie or something or later and kind of repurpose them. Buy them frozen. Frozen fruit's a great option. I don't know. I mean, I know some people, oh, they really want the fresh fruits, but I've noticed fresh fruits, you got to eat them within a certain amount of time. And if you don't, they go bad. So you're wasting money there. Whereas if you buy something that's frozen, I'm not, I don't know if it's any necessarily better health wise. I don't think we're giving you health recommendations here, but just to, you know, frozen food, frozen fruit will last a little bit longer and maybe keep a couple extra dollars in your pocket, but also shopping at Aldi's. Oh yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, you know, knockoff stuff, but I got to tell you, it doesn't taste that much different. And I grew up on chocolate peanut butter spheres versus Reese's peanut butter puffs. Like my mom was always buying the knockoff brands. Um, and that's just what she had to do at the time with the budget paying for four or five kids living in her, you know, in the house. And, you know, she was working two full-time jobs, but like all these is a great place. They have, everything's cheap there. 75 bucks at all. These might be two weeks worth of food for a full family. All these is one of the best places I would say. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Next Hit us point, with tip eight, Derek. Yeah, tip eight, building a sizable emergency fund. Uh, this is usually at least three months of living expenses in your savings account. Sometimes you may hear Brett refer to this as the rainy day fund. Um, when, when things go wrong and you need to tap into some extra money to help you get through an unexpected financial hardship, which you know could come down to anything, but 
Um, again, this is tough. Three months of living expenses is hard to do, but I think this kind of harps back on our initial tip or what I talked about in paying yourself. So not all of us wake up one day with three months of living expenses put away. And, you know, I, in fact, I think I, I've read stats like in the United States, like there's a very low percentage of people who have any emergency fund at all. So this is why I think, you know, as a country, maybe we all need to be a little bit more financially responsible or, or you know, fiscally make better decisions. But paying yourself is important. If you don't have an emergency fund and you're trying to invest in stocks and this, that, and third, why not just for the next two years or six months, whatever time frame you think you can do it, start to try to build your emergency fund by paying yourself first. Because if you do that, you will feel a lot better once you get there. And life gets a little bit easier knowing that you're not trying to avoid anything. You can be confident in that. Okay, obviously we don't want things to happen. But if something comes up, because I like to say, you know, no matter what we plan for, life is always going to happen. Life gets in the way all the time. Sometimes when you least expect it or you can at least afford it to is when it will hit you the hardest. So just being proactive in paying yourself first and trying to put money away to build an emergency fund can just ease a lot of our financial stress and anxiety, which can play a role in you know better mental health in the whole nine yards there. Brett, yeah, Derek, talk? I'm going to loop in our first tip with kind of like you did with the reevaluating the finances. If you don't evaluate those finances, you don't know how much your monthly expenses Absolutely. are. So you can't get a three to six month rainy day fund if you if you have no idea what you're no spending idea. every month. Right. right. So if you know what you're spending every month, it might seem like a tall hill, you know, to, to have to climb up. But again, if you're saying what Derek is saying is pay yourself first and you're stocking away X amount of dollars every month to this emergency fund. I think I read something recently that was like every or the average individual, if you have like, I don't know, I just don't call me on the number, but I think it was like between two and three grand, you'll be able to handle like 80% of financial like pop-up emergencies that occur. You know, I obviously if if you're holding real estate, that number needs to be drastically bigger because a roof going or a boiler going, that could be 10, 12, 15 grand, you know? Right. So that's a different conversation a little bit, but in terms of your personal life, you know, if if your tires go, you know, I think okay, that could be a grand, that could be 1500 bucks and I wouldn't even necessarily classify that as an emergency, you know, because tires are a planned expense. Car trouble you know how, in general is a right. Car trouble in general, you got to plan for that because you know cars are going to break down. Um, so figure out what an emergency is versus what an expense is that you can kind of plan ahead for. Um, but either way, if you stock away three to six months of liquid cash, your peace of mind is going to be drastically improved when those times of turmoil do kind of cross your plate. And I think it's that is. Coming. Yeah, it's common. It always happens. It always yeah. happens, you know, and it's almost, you can't avoid it. You cannot avoid it. No. Um, so that's, again, just, we, we really harp on using money to improve your life. And I think having that stash of money for when, you know, it hits the fan, that's going to drastically improve your life and take a lot of stress off your plate. So I think that's a big tip. Right. Um, Derek, tip number nine. I think Derek and I are in the midst of tip number nine for ourselves right here. Uh, create two to three financial goals for 2024. You know, and I think um, in our friend circle, we talk a lot about basically every year we set physical, mental, financial goals. Um, and, you know, one of Derek and I's goals were have more money conversations. You know, that's kind of how this podcast came about. But 
I think the thing that we do within those goal settings, regardless of what sector the goal is being set in, um, we write those goals down. You know, we put those goals somewhere where it's going to be visible, you know, whether it be a, you know, background on your phone or, you, you know, a sticky note on your laptop or whatever the case may be, you're far more likely to obtain a goal when you write it down and treat it like it's real. And if you write down two, three, four goals and you only make one of them, you're in a better place than if you didn't goal set at all, you know? So, you know, it's my philosophy as like a human being to set super high goals, set lofty goals. If your goals aren't like, oh man, I don't even know if I can do that. You know, like, what am I thinking? I'm going to let myself down. Don't look at it like that. Set these goals. And if you fail, you fail, but you're going to be better off in the pursuit than if you didn't set these goals and begin that pursuit, you know? So I think the, the lofty goals is something that I prioritize in my life and I know Derek definitely does too, but the financial goals specifically, a lot of people um, feel a little bit uncomfortable or intimidated by setting financial goals because, you know, of the fear of failure, but every failure leads to lessons, you know, and you learn things in that, in that journey. So don't be afraid to fail, set goals. And, you know, if you hit these financial goals, excellent, you know, you're in a much better place than if you didn't set those goals at all. Derek, I didn't mean to cut you off. What no, you're fine. Add? I was just going to say that, you know, again, it, it, I think you touched on a little bit. It's one thing to say you have a certain goal in mind. It's another thing to write it down and then hold yourself accountable as far as striving towards set goal. And again, you know, Brett did make, you know, you got to set lofty goals for yourself, um, but also be realistic as far as timelines. I think when Brett sets lofty goals, he's not setting, he's not saying I'm going to be a millionaire in 30 days. Um, I think depending on your situation, if you're someone who say doesn't have an emergency fund, a financial goal for you could be start to build an emergency fund in the year 2024. And that could be simply saying, okay, I'm going to, no matter what, every two weeks, put 1% of my paycheck into my savings account. That is non-negotiable. I'm not going to take it out. I'm not going to touch it. If something comes up, I have to find another way for the time being. Because then you are, it becomes a habit. And then that's when you wake up two, three years down the line and you have an emergency fund, which at first, maybe an emergency fund was a lofty goal for you. But you've also set short term, measurable, obtainable goals to help you reach your long term goal. So I think breaking these down in a step by step fashion to make it more. I don't want to say realistic, but more attainable for you based on your personal situation will make things a lot easier. And also things will not be as stressful. I talk about that with like my siblings sometimes, like my siblings will panic if they get into like financial stress, like, oh my gosh, I owe so much back on my taxes this year. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And it's like, hold on. Maybe you can't make it right now in this moment, but you have to break this down into a step-by-step process execute said steps along the way and at the end you will be where you thought you couldn't be three months ago now you're here does that make sense so yeah I- Derek sorry I'm going to just circle back to tip number four where we said um, review our contribution limits you know and increase one percent right. let's say right. you wrote that down as one of your goals the thing that I like the most and realized about finance is that goal can literally be checked off in 10 minutes you know, you just get back onto your website, wherever your brokerage or your retirement portfolio is housed, and you increase that contribution limit, you press update and save, boom, that goal is checked off for the entire calendar year. 
So it doesn't need to be crazy um, right. in depth. It doesn't need to be crazy challenging, but that is a goal that you just obtained and you would not have obtained that if you did not set that goal. Right. You know, so I think just the more goals that you can set and the more honestly reflections you can do and say, where am I currently and where do I want to be? And what are the steps that I could take either on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to get there, even yearly basis, to be honest with you, goals don't have to be like Derek said, the timeline is up to you, you know, right. and you know, your timeline better than we know your timeline. So I think just the goal setting in general, in every aspect of your life is, you know, it's something that I look forward to almost every year, you know, I'm writing these goals down. And I, you know, at the end of the year, I look back on upon reflection, and I'm like, check, 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 oh, didn't get that one, you know, maybe I could kind of roll that one over into the next year. And and see if I could build a little bit more more momentum and spend a little bit more time working towards that goal. And I love it personally. Like it, it makes me feel alive. It's it's the fire in my belly because if you know, complacency is just oh man, it, it gives me the heebie-jeebies there. You know, and I think without these goals, complacency comes naturally. You know, so right. Um, set set goals. I think that's a great tip. Uh, Derek, take us to tip number ten. Yeah, tip number ten. I think can actually help you with financial goals. Um, and it's reviewing all your subscriptions to see if you can eliminate any. You know, when we talk about subscriptions, we think I'm thinking ESPN Plus, I'm thinking Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. You know, getting an idea of how much money you're giving away each month for these subscriptions, but then getting an idea of how much you use each one is important because I think I know for me personally, one I'm struggling with this right now is Disney Plus. I don't watch it. <laughs> I don't watch Disney Plus very much at all. And every time the conversation comes up, my wife is like, "We can just eliminate Disney Plus." I'm like, "No, we can't because what if I want to watch a Marvel movie? What if I'm feeling Iron Man and you're, you know what I mean?" But I never get around to it. So I think it's one of those things where I have to commit to eliminating Disney Plus. And that, that's just my life. I don't know what subscriptions other people have, but Reviewing these and, and saying to yourself, man, uh, I've got six gym memberships, but I really only go to, you know, Planet Fitness, but I've talked myself into, you know, the edge and then 24-hour fitness because it's by my job, but I never really get there anyway, and each one is 30 bucks. Like, these are subscriptions you can easily modify and just choose one, and I, I, I only say that because I've been in the past. I've had two gym memberships, and for one, I did not go to one gym membership for like two years. And I was just giving them 25 bucks a month for two straight years. It's absolutely ridiculous. So just these are, these are things that if, if you're diligent about, um, they can be handled very easily. And then that's 25 bucks a month. Maybe you can start your emergency fund with who knows. Derek, I got one that I think is really relatable. You know, I try not to online shop too much, but when I do, and it's through Amazon, the, Oh, sign up for Amazon prime. You'll get your order tomorrow. You know, that's so mm -hmm. tempting. And mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like, okay, I'll just do it and I'll cancel it when the time comes and my seven days free trial is up. And then, Ooh, you know, life happens trial. and you're, you know, you're, you're slammed and you totally forget that seven days even passed. You totally forget that you even bought something off Amazon. Um, and that's just one where bank now $8 pulled out of the account. doesn't seem like much, but I think with the expansion of technology comes the expansion of subscriptions. If you haven't noticed, every single company is trying to get their hands on your dollars reoccurring monthly. You know, so I think the more that we can really um, kind of like wring out the sponge in that regard and only hold on to the subscriptions that hold value to us and provide value to us, the better off you're going to be. You know, don't get caught getting these empty subscriptions and 
Yes. You know, dude. you're like Derek just throwing away 25 bucks on a gym membership that Bro, you subscriptions have killed me. I just remembered another one. Like <laughs> what do you got? Like 2 years ago, 2 or 3 years ago, um as a physical therapist, I have to get like 20 uh continuing ed units oh, every yeah. year for the state of Connecticut to maintain my license, right? And one particular year I had, you know, sometimes I forget to do these things and it's like it's January, my renewals up and I have no hours. I'm scrambling. So I sign up for an online subscription, 200 bucks for like, I, I don't know, Summit or MedBridge, one of the, one of them. And I get all my CEUs done and they're like, oh, you, it's, you know, 200 bucks for the year. Totally forget about it. The next year, I'm just whatever, going through my finances and you just you get hit with a random $200 yeah, uh, you're bill. calling fraud, you and know? Like, you don't even know it's coming. Where that $200? Who is, who is Summit? I've never heard of these people. Come to find out, I forgot to cancel my prescription, uh, prescription subscription, and they do this thing where if you don't cancel, they just charge you anyway every single year. Of course year. they do. For, and also, the Edge Fitness, do you know trying to get cancel your subscription for the Edge Fitness? Like, it's a whole process. You have to oh, yeah, go look in, at the cancellation you, fees, you too. To, like, you have to write the company an email and then you have to like give a reason for why you're canceling it's uh -huh. like it's, no i want to cancel my membership shut it down i've been right. here for four years planet fitness shut did my that too down it's, it's like, like, like don't ask me no questions i'm done can you provide us with a valid reason to cancel this membership like what if you can't what if you can't it's, right it's, no i don't have a reason i'm moving <laughs> yeah get this out of my life Ridiculous. well derek subscriptions man they're only going to be more prevalent to be honest with you is that's my opinion i think they're going to expand more and more and more throughout our everyday lives so again really try to limit those as best you can but i think tip 11 yeah. is a big one tip 11 um asking for a raise at your job a couple different ways you can do this you can barge in your boss's door and say hey i demand a raise i don't know that we recommend that but you could do that I think a better way to go about it would be if you're someone who feels like you're not getting compensated with what you deserve, um, gathering objective information about what you do. So for me personally, my job, there's performance um, standards or expectations um, that you have to meet. And, um, you know, if you get an idea of, of, of where you stand in the company, you have a little bit more uh, ammunition if you are to, to, to ask about this, but also shopping around. I think a lot of people don't realize you know, I'm not saying shop around. You have to leave your job, but if you like your company and they're that that company that every year is three percent, three percent, three percent, that gets old after a while. Trust me when I tell you, um, shop around for different jobs because you may get an offer for somebody else that they're willing to compensate you significantly more than your current job. So if you walk into the office and say, "Hey, listen, boss man, I really enjoy working here. I value what we do, um, but right now this is how my financial picture works," and uh, so-and-so over here is willing to compensate me with this amount of money. Um, but I'm willing to hear if you guys can counter that first before I make the decision to jump ship. Uh, because I've heard of situations where people have been very faithful to companies and very loyal and spent 30 years with a company getting their standard 2 to 3 3.5% raise every year. And then this company hires some random person with, you know, say, 15, 20 years of experience with a different company. But they come in with a certain salary and they get that salary or they get it, you know, now they're walking in day one at the company, never worked with them before, making more money than the employee that has spent the last 30 years with that company. It's very sad. You hate to hear that happen because, and I think that's why companies want to shy employees away from talking about salaries because they're doing some shysty stuff with it at times, it seems. There's no way a guy who's been with 
a company for 30 years should be making less than the guy who just came over but has 15 years of experience somewhere else and was making this amount of money and they're just going to match it. It's it would it's it drove, yeah it's it drives me nuts. Derek, I think that's a really good point. Um, and it can kind of wrap into point number two where you know you're going through your bills, shopping your insurance, specifically in insurance. I think loyalty is a little bit more rewarded in the job sector. Mm-hmm. than it is in insurance, but loyalty is not rewarded in your like insurance broker. You know, you're probably going to get a better rate as a new customer than you are if you're, you know, with X insurance agency for 10, 15 years, which is foul in itself. But, um, you know, I think Derek makes a great point there with, first off, you never know if you don't ask, you know, they could be saying on paper, oh, you know what, Derek, you've been performing really well. All your metrics are through the roof compared to your colleagues, you know, you are worthy of this raise. And if you didn't ask, I don't think they're just going to throw money at you, you know? No. So ask and, and take that chance. Worst comes to worst. They're going to say no, you know, and you're in the exact same boat you are now. And also something that I didn't really know early in my career. And I, I found out through navigation of a job change was, you know, I came to my boss and I was like, I got a, I got a job offer and realistically I'm taking it. You know, I, I didn't even have a thought in my mind that I was taking it or that I was like, even considering the possibility of staying in. And, and my boss at the time was like, okay, show me the contract and, you know, I'll talk to the bursar and we'll see, or whoever it is, the HR department. And we'll see if, um, you know, we can match the salary. And I was like, I, I'm not even going to make you go through that because I'm not going to take it. Even if you do match the salary, but that's when it hit me that I was like, okay, that's leverage, you know, and it, it, I'm showing somebody else or I'm showing my current employer that, Hey, look at what somebody else is willing to pay me. Look at my value on the job market. I think that's a great, um, I think Attaining that's a great leverage. tool. Yeah. That's Attaining a leverage. Leverage is, is a great tip in of itself. If you're asking for a raise, go in with some type of leverage or, or, you know, try to establish some leverage for yourself. So you have talking points or you have something to bring to the conversation that is at least makes your employer sit back and say, Hmm, maybe this guy's right here. Right. A little art of negotiation there, if Absolutely. you will, you know? Um, but Derek, I think that's going to round us to tip number 12, last tip of part one in the series. Um, you know, and I personally think this is a money tip, but as you know, Derek and I come from an extensive health background. Um, so this is also just a life tip, but drink more water. You know, I think, you know, for me personally, a guy my size, I'm 5'8", I'm about buck 55, buck 60, depending on the day. I'm trying to intake 120 fluid ounces of water. I don't know what y'all intake, but when I am significantly less, if I'm at 40 or 50 fluid ounces of water, my body feels like SpongeBob the first time he went into Sandy's dome. You know, I'm just like shriveled up, man. I'm a raisin. My I muscles don't, don't feel good mentally. I'm not there. Um, so I think how you feel and function is drastically um, impacted by how much you're hydrating and more so like to turn it into a finance conversation. If you're drinking more water, Typically, you know, I'm not, everybody eats differently, but typically you are going to feel full quicker, you know, and you're going to have to consume less food typically to feel that full sensation. Um, and, and more so you're going to have less frivolous spending on, you know, like if I'm out and about, I'm just grabbing a coffee or I'm grabbing a soda or whatever the case may be, because I'm already hydrated. What do I need to intake more fluids for? Um, so I think that could be a, just low hanging fruit. Water is free in most places that you go, you know, and if you got, I mean, you see the Stanley cup wave going on right now, you know, those are like the hottest things out. If you got a Stanley cup, hydro flask, whatever the case is, whatever water bottle you want, 
Just how much money do we save? How much money do we save as kids at Taco Bell saying, "Can I get a cup of water?" Cup of water every time, all the time. <laughs> Two fifty every single time. Every I'm time. still to this day water cupping every place I go. Yeah. Like I said, when I'm out, out and about at a restaurant with my bros or whoever it may be, I'm water cupping. You know, and then all of a sudden now I could buy an appetizer because I'm not spending two two alcoholic beverages or whatever the case may be for eighteen, twenty bucks. Depending you know, if you you're are, doing that in Manhattan, two alcoholic beverages in Manhattan, you might get ten fluid ounces for fifty five bucks. You know, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna have a tall boy of that ice cold H two O, please. You know, and that's it just makes me feel good, you know. And again, it's not for everybody that that type of approach, but I'll tell you what is for everybody water consumption you know like there's not a living organism on this planet that does not need water and we are no different human body can go three four days without water something like that you can go forever not forever but you can go a long time without food you can't really go a long time without some type of water intake but yeah i think drinking water i mean in general staying hydrated is i think something that you know i know me, me for one i have to be better at it but staying hydrated is a great tip again just in general to to function better and feel better staying yeah, hydrated. feel and function better yeah. and then all of a sudden you might be more productive yeah. at work and right. now you might you know increase the return on your time at work and now all of a sudden you have a little bit more meat and potatoes in that conversation of needing a raise because you're more productive at so work so many people are addicted to, addicted to caffeine too i can't i, I can't even believe it I, i've worked with people who I like can't either they'll literally say to me like i can't even function if i don't have my coffee and they'll or like it's like yeah i'm grumpy i haven't had my coffee yet like, brother, you need a caffeinated beverage to not be grumpy. I like coffee, too. Don't get me wrong. I drink it. But never a day in my life have I said, if I don't get this coffee, it's going to be a bad day. <laughs> I mean, to, to each his own. You know, I typically start my day with, like, a smoothie. So I get, like, you know, the comfort of a drink, you know. But, yeah, but again, a coffee is something that not only one is it going to cost you money to some extent every day, whether you're making it at home or you're getting it at Starbucks or whatever. And number two, at the end of the day, that's dehydrating you, you know, so you might feel good with the temporary caffeine kicking you, but if you're not drinking anything else, your body's going to shrivel up and you're not going to be functioning as sharply as you should. Mm -hmm. So water is a crucial key, you know, and I think, again, we don't want to harp on the health side of things, but, you know, there's two things that I pretty much make my decisions with. There's more than two things, but health and finances determine a lot of my navigation in life, you know, and I think... Um, you know, since I've really put an emphasis on, uh, my hydration, I know my performance and how I feel and function has been better. You know, and I, mm. I think you would be surprised if you start intaking hundred fluid ounces and see how you feel compared to, you know, you only drink one water bottle a day. I think you could just take your own mental notes for that and, and you can maybe get back to us. But Derek, that is the 12 money tips that we halfway have in there. episode one. Yeah, halfway we are halfway there. there. Halfway 24 there. money tips for 2024. We want to get your year started with just some talking points, you know, and again, these might not apply to you. Some of them might apply to you, but we just want to start these conversations. We want to be real with y'all from our perspectives with these uh, talking points. And hopefully, you know, maybe you can grab nuggets from one or two or three of these and, you know, make an actionable step in your life. That's going to move the needle in, in, in a positive manner for this 2024 calendar year. So we got one more episode in this two-part mini-series here. We're going to hit you with the back half of the final 12 of the 24 money tips for 2024. But that's for another time, Derek. You know, this is the Cash Course Podcast, and we yes, appreciate y'all tuning in. Yes, 
we are grateful grateful for y'all tuning in and at this point you know we are episode three and you know i feel like we are really just starting to hit our stride you know this is you know if we're running a marathon derek this is like what 0.5 mile 0.5 you know we're just getting going we feel good you know the the high of the race has still hit us. We're, we're still in the pack, you know, and we got a long way to go with this podcast and we're really looking to grow together. We're looking to learn together. We're looking to learn from y'all. So if you guys feel that you want to hear something or you want to fact check us or chime in because you know a little bit more about a certain subject than we do, we want to hear from y'all. So please reach out on our social media. You can catch us on Instagram at the cash course podcast. Um, you could just shoot me and Derek a text or a DM if, if that's more comfortable for you. Uh, but we want to all learn together. And that's really what the purpose of this uh, Cash Course podcast is. So um, coming at you with episode four with the second half of the 24 Money Tips. But until then, we will catch y'all. Peace. Peace. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results. And all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investing in any asset, including real estate, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing and only risk capital you can afford to lose. The Cash Course podcast disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages rising from the reliance upon information presented in this podcast.